What's up, everybody? Welcome to another brand new episode of the Mid-Range Game Podcast. I'm your host, Ole Defense 1033. Happy Friday, everybody, man. I know y'all ready for the weekend. I'm ready for the motherfucking weekend. So let's get to it. Uh, coming your way. Um, just had some, I had some thoughts on the Packers. Uh, I mean, I'm a big Packer fan. Um, I bleed green and gold. So uh, I, I actually want to talk about the Packers uh, and then I'm also, too, because I just uh, did a podcast on the Heat and Spurs game six. I'm actually got me thinking about the, the Heatles. So I'm actually going to talk about the Heatles. And, and you know, from my aspect, perspective as a Heat fan, you know, I got a chance to see that shit. Uh, and, you know, just my thoughts in general uh, on the Heat run with Bron and Wade and Bosh. So let's get to it. So I'm going to start off with the... Green Bay Packers first. Uh, so obviously, you know, y- y'all are aware of, you know, the Green Bay Packers failures in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the last few years in particular, uh, you know, the NFC title game lost to the Bucks uh, a couple of years ago. That was a fucking gut punch. Uh, ugh. So frustrating. Uh, but as bad as that loss was, it doesn't even come close to how we lost against the 49ers last year. I'm still pissed off about that. Uh, but uh got to move forward. So uh, I want to talk about the Packers this season now. Um, do I expect us to win 13 games again? No, nah, I don't. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I do expect us to... You know, still win this damn shitty division um, that we're in. Uh, I expect us to win 10, 11 games. Um, now, I'm hoping that we trade some of those regular season wins for a couple of more playoff wins and we end up in a Super Bowl <laughs> uh, at the very least. Um, so I will definitely make that damn make that trade every fucking day of the week. Um I do, I do love our defense. We, the Packers should have a fucking top five defense this year. You know, Rashawn Gary, you know, Zaire Alexander, Stokes. Uh, we, we have, we have outstanding corners. Um, we got deep secondary at the corner position. Our, our safeties, yeah, they need, they can, you know, they can stand some improvement, but I, I think that will happen because I expect the Green Bay Packer defense uh, to be significantly better, it's particularly with our pass rush. Uh, our pass rush was a problem last year. You know, we I think we were like middle of the pack in sacks, uh, pressures, all that shit. Uh, I expect that to be better, man, because I expect um, Rashad Gary to really take another step forward. Uh, and solidify itself as a as a star pass rusher for us, and like I said, um, you know, with our secondary, uh, some improved help, and you know, if Campbell can you know really keep up his production in the middle, man, there's no reason we can't have a, a championship top five level defense in Green Bay, and I believe that's what need that's what we need in order to win in in Green Bay in January. Uh, you know, I think too often, 
you know, our teams in the past was built more for, for offense, more for passing. And, you know, and then Lambeau, man, in January, that shit don't all, that, that shit can be a problem because of the conditions. Uh, so you have to be able to, I've always felt like we have to be able to run the ball. I'm, I'm going to get those, uh, those Mike Holmgren uh, Packer teams, you know, in the, in the mid to late 90s. You know, how he built those teams, you know. Yeah, I mean, he had Favre. And Favre was, he developed Favre into the MVP that he became. Uh, but, you know, the Packers in, in in the playoffs, they were always, they always ran the ball a lot more. They were always extra balanced. Uh, I remember in particular, uh, what was it, the 96 playoffs, we played against the 49ers in our opening game, the divisional game, and the field was just a fucking mess. You could not, you couldn't, you weren't going to be able to throw the throw, throw in that damn game. Uh, it was rainy, muddy, slippery, so you had to be able to run the ball. And, and you know, in, in Lambeau, Particularly, I feel like we have to be able to run the ball. We have to be able to run the ball and be able to play defense. Uh, and that wasn't the case for you know pretty much most of the Packer teams. You know, especially in the in the two in the in the tens. No, I mean we were basically built around Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. Uh, we didn't have a consistent running game, um, and definitely our defense was like middle of the pack that whole pretty much that entire decade middle of the pack to just bad um that whole that whole decade of the 10 so uh but i think this this time you know this regime is doing things a little differently um i think they've they've really done a great great job of just getting pieces on this defense and you know obviously you know we have a great game ground game with you know, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. We should have, we should have a top five run game. We should have a top five defense. Uh, our offensive line, uh, always good. So, um, I think there's too much worry about the receivers in a sense because anytime you can run the ball, you can protect the quarterback. You, your receivers are gonna have opportunities because the quarterback is gonna have time to throw the ball, and also too when you. In our offense, a lot of play action, like receivers are going to end up open down the field. It's just a matter of, you know, Rodgers trusting them, and it's a matter of them, you know, just catching the ball, running the right route, catching the ball. And speaking of which, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get on to this. You know, I was about to bring this up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, calling out receivers in the media again and, you know, that, that shit just old, man. You know, that shit is just old. Look, it's been one fucking preseason game. And it ain't even been a full damn training camp yet. Like, relax, Rogers. Like, it takes time to build receive, build trust with receivers. It takes time. Like, that stuff don't happen instantly. It don't happen overnight. You know, this you gotta that shit is gonna take time. And trust. And trust is something that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't do well and it then it's actually cost us I believe uh it cost us in the NFC title game against the Bucks 
where he refused to fucking throw the ball to anybody else besides Devontae Adams, uh, including he had opportunity at the, you know, in that we all know it. We all know that possession. Um, you know, we're down. You know, it's getting close to the end of the game. You know, we're down eight points. Um, and, you know, Rodgers, is, Rodgers has an opportunity to at least pick up maybe about three or four yards and try to run into the end zone. And instead, he throws across his body to Devontae, Devontae Adams in double coverage. I mean, when all he had to do was just take the few yards on the ground, he might have been able to actually run it in. But at the very least, he would have got us about, you know, three or four yards closer. But because he didn't trust and he just forced it into the to Adams again, that shit just that shit cost us. That shit cost us opportunity for a touchdown. Same thing he did against the Niners uh, this past playoffs, like forcing the damn ball to Adams. And it's like you got receivers open. Trust them. Trust you. got Trust your receivers. Trust those guys to make plays. And, you know, as a result of that, him forcing the ball to Adams so much, we don't actually know what the hell we got at the receiver. We don't know exactly what Alan Lazar can do. We don't know what what the fuck Randall Cobb still has left because Rodgers didn't throw them motherfuckers the ball. He was just forcing that bitch to Adams. So you really don't know what we got. So... Uh, bottom line, Aaron Rodgers got to start trusting more. Obviously, the receivers know they got to make plays. Otherwise, they know they're going to be out. All right. They, these motherfuckers ain't stupid. Okay. But it's on Rodgers. Rodgers got to be patient. Like, it takes more than, like, a fucking preseason game and half a training camp to establish a relationship or rapport with receivers, man. Come on, man. It's like, like, for real, just... I feel like at this point, just just shut up and just play. I don't, you know, I don't remember hearing Brady bitch about receivers and shit. I remember Brady in 06, he had Rashae Carwell as his number one receiver. Rashae Carwell, it was terrible. But I didn't hear Brady bitch about, bitch about his receivers. As frustrating as it was for him, as little crap as he had around him, no, Brady just laced up his boots, pulled up his pants, shut the fuck up publicly and he got shit done end up leading that team to the AFC title game you know where they lost to the Colts but Brady shut the fuck up and played you know Brady has been working with you know average receivers for much of his career but yeah I don't remember hearing Brady anything about Brady throwing dudes under the bus bus publicly and all the receivers got to get better and you know Nah, man, like, save that shit. You know, yes, motivation through the media can be a powerful tool when used effectively. But when you do this shit every single year, when you bitching every single year in the media, like, that shit loses its power. And it becomes just hot air. You know, oh, Aaron Rodgers, oh, Aaron just bitching in the media again. Oh, nobody pants into this shit. So... Um, they, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, the receivers, a few other offensive staff, coaches, and players, all was in this meeting and behind closed doors and 
apparently they all aired out their differences and whatnot. <clears throat> so hopefully uh, they can move forward. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers can actually can can re, can can grow some patience and you know just let just just give these guys some time to to prove whether or not they can actually play or or if they can't play. If they can't play, then obviously they go they not gonna be on the field. But you're not gonna know that unless you give them opportunity to prove themselves. You know, not everybody responds to motivation by fear. You know, like not everybody does. So I'm hoping, like I said, I believe we're gonna win about 11, 11 games. We're definitely gonna win this this sorry ass division. <sighs> Who we got? What the the Vikings? Kirk Cousins? Man, please, they. All that time they got in Minnesota, and they can't do shit because of Kirk Cousins and how average he is. And he doesn't do anything when, when the shit really matters. <laughs> so, then we got the Lions. <laughs> I mean, I think the Lions are actually headed in a great direction, but, I mean, they're years away. Um, the, the Bear? No, man, come on. So, this division is ours to win. <laughs> Um, like I said, we're going to be led by our defense, our running game, and hopefully, you know, having Aaron basically kind of be a complement to the running game, play action passes, uh, things of that nature, more of like a, uh, not a game manager, but definitely, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to be throwing like the ball 40, 50 times a game. I think it's going to be more like 25 to 30 times, which is fine with me because that means our running game is leading the way and our defense is leading the way. And I think that's what's going to have to happen for us to win the Super Bowl in Green Bay. Uh, because one thing last year showed me is that we can't rely on Aaron Rodgers to lead us to the to the championship. It has to be more of an ensemble cast. It has to be a complete team effort. Um, and I think hopefully that's the case this year. Hopefully, hopefully we do fuck around and win the Super Bowl. Um, either way, uh, I'm going to definitely be tuning in. So let me take a quick break. I'm going to be right back with uh, my Heatles thoughts. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking Heatles. The Braun, Wade, Bosch Heat teams from 2010 to 2014. The Super Team. The team that was supposed to win not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not 16. They were supposed to win all these championships. Ended up with two or four years. In my opinion, uh, that's obviously a success because anytime you can win a championship, it's a massive success. It's the goal of every team. There's only one team that can win a championship every year. Anytime you win it, it's a big success. Like I said, um, did I agree with how Bron, Wade, and Bosch, how that whole thing came together? No, it, because I'm a traditional basketball fan. You know, especially you know back then, I'm a little more open-minded now as to you know this this new era of basketball. And how the game is played, and how just how you know how the players are wired. So I'm I'm adjusting to that. Um, but you know, this is back in 2010, so we hadn't seen we hadn't seen shit like this before. Like we hadn't seen players like coming together on their own in their primes 
especially with the stature that Bron and Wade had. You know, these are two top five players. Chris Bosh is like a top 10, top 12 player. Uh, and for those three to come together in their primes, we had never seen anything like that. You know, there have been super teams formed before, but they happen more organically, like through trades or or just through great drafting. You know, you look at the, you know, you look at the, the Lakers, you know, the Lakers were loaded in the 80s because of great drafting and, and some shrewd trading by, by Mr. Jerry West, the greatest GM ever. Uh, you know, you look at the, um, you know, the, 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 the Lakers again <laughs> in 69, you know, when they traded for Wilt and they had West and Baylor. I mean, that's that's basically three of the top five to seven players in the league right there on one team. You know, that super team happened through through a trade. Uh, but we had never seen, like, just players just, all right, this is what we're going to do, man. We're going to all team up. You know, we had never seen nothing like that. So this was a completely new. It caught, it just, it, it caught everybody by surprise. And just everybody just had an opinion on it. And it was a lot of, a lot of bad opinions, too. Um, it opened up Pandora Boss looking back on it, man. You know, they ushered in the player movement era, the super team era, and, and, that shit fucked up basketball for, for a minute. You know, it changed the game. Uh, in a sense, it's great because it gave players the, the ability to move, the ability to just take their destiny into their own hands and not and cut out the middleman, which is the GM. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's competitive-wise on the court. That shit hurt the game because if all, if all these players are teaming up together on a couple of teams... What the fuck is going to happen to the rest of the league? The rest of the teams in the league are going to be shit. And that's pretty much what happened for the most part. You know, luckily, you know, the the, the, the super team era basically just ended um, pretty much. But, you know, it, what Bron, Wade, and Bosh did, them coming together, man, they had repercussions for, for generations. Uh, that shit changed the game. Uh, so as a Heat fan... You know, as I, as I said before, I was excited. You know, the basketball fan in me, the traditional fan in me was like, man, what the fuck is these dudes on? You know, and at the end of the day, man, their motivations for doing this shit was, was pretty fucking clear. They just want, they wanted to win a championship. That's it. They wanted to compete for championships. And the best way they felt to compete for championships was together. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the Celtics forming. Uh, their team, you know, they get got Ray Allen via trade, KG via trade to go along with Paul Pearson, and it had the lead. It had the lead, particularly the East, shook because, you know, wait a minute, man, these, you know, these motherfuckers are beasts, and together, oh man, we we can't, we're not gonna be able to go through those dudes like just on our own, like on our own separate team, so. We got to team up because they're gonna check. They're gonna have at least on the the East on lock for years to come. At least that was supposed to have been the case, uh, but that didn't quite happen. And it didn't happen because of age and because of Wade and Brian and Bosch coming together and forming the the, the Heatles. Uh, but like I said, their motivations was all about winning. Like you know, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was 
all about winning. Dwayne Wade didn't care about stats. He didn't care about awards and all that shit. Dwayne Wade cared about championships. He wanted to compete for championships. You know, from he was a winner. In college, he was a winner. Um, I mean, he so as the Heat drafted him in 03, he, I mean, he basically instantly turned us around into a, into a playoff team. We went from being a, a afterthought to being a playoff team with promise. Uh, how he played in that playoffs as a rookie, uh, putting motherfuckers on notice. And that's what he did. So, and you know, fast forward to that same offseason, we get Shaq, and bam, we are instant championship contenders right now. Um, you know, obviously, 06, we win the championship. Um, Dwayne Wade has one of the greatest finals performances that you'll ever see. One, probably the greatest Jordan impersonation in, in the finals that you'll ever see. Um, and bam, we win a championship. Everything looking sweet. You know, we're about to go into 07, try to repeat, and just shit just fell apart from there. Um, you know, basically, Shaq play picked up exactly where it left off in the finals, which that shit wasn't good at all. Um, and, you know, the team got old. We were already old in 06. We got even older in 07. So, uh, as a result, we got swept out the damn playoffs by the damn baby Bulls. Ben Gordon, Kurt Heinrich, Lou Aldane Bulls. Uh, it's very sobering. Um, fast 408, Dwayne Wade gets hurt, missed most of the year. And this shit is looking like all our promise that we had in 06 and 07. Now it's just, we're, we're already in rebuilding phase, you know, in 08. You know, shit wasn't sweet, man. And, you know, Dwayne Wade came back. He came back like a like a man possessed. Uh, had one of the greatest uh, seasons that you will ever see uh, from a perimeter player in 09. Uh, 30, 7, 5. Man shot almost 50% from the field. So many damn game winners. So many damn blocks defensively. I mean, he was all over the place. It was... Once again, it was a great young MJ impersonating nation that Dwayne Wade was doing. Um, and that's that's who his style always reminded me of, you know, young MJ. Not not fadeaway MJ, not pull-up mid-range MJ in his later years and toward the middle of his career. No, nah, I'm talking about young MJ. MJ first maybe two or three years in the league that all this motherfucker did was go to the basket and slash and, and finish over, like, the trees. And that's how Dwayne Wade played. He had that kind of similar slashing style and ability to finish, man. And like I said, he all, his game always reminded me of, of a, a young MJ. Um, but, yeah, you know, we came back like a beast, um, and we get bounced out in the playoffs in, in seven games to Atlanta in 09. And then we get bounced out in the first round in five games to Boston. And Dwayne Wade is like, man, nah, this shit ain't cool, man. I'm, I'm, we, nah, man. I'm, I, I ain't for this losing for the first round shit, man. Like, I want to compete. I want to win championships. Which led to him flirting with the Bulls in the offseason. Um, now, you know, as a fan of the Heat, this, this, this scared the shit out of me because Dwayne Wade was al- already publicly talking about you know, how it was a dream of his to play for his hometown in Chicago, the Bulls. And, you know, he grew up idolizing MJ. And, you know, I get it. Um, and I understand, stood that. And he's also looking at the Bulls roster, too, 
D-Rose, young D-Rose, before he, right before he hit that MVP level. Uh, Lou Aldang, Joe Kim Noah. So the Bulls had a nice core. They had just made the playoffs. They had a nice core. Derrick Rose, I mean, Derrick Rose is looking really damn good for the, to Dwayne Wade to play with. So it was definitely danger, man. He was close to going. Uh, luckily, things worked out and he ended up staying and he had brought, brought along some help with him. Uh, but that's what Dwayne Wade was about in a nutshell, winning championships, competing for championships. Um, you know, Bosch, Bosch wanted to compete for championships. You know, this man was in Toronto putting up 24 and 10 for years and just getting bounced out in the first round, just not even a chance in hell. Uh, and he got tired of that, man. You know, Bosch had been putting in work for years, man. You know, he was regarded as one of the, the top power forwards, one of the a top one of the best players in the league period and you know but you know Bosch didn't care about stats either man Bosch just wanted to win he wanted to just have an opportunity to compete for championships you know that's what he was made of you know Braun you know Braun got to a point where you know the media put so much pressure on him to have to win a championship it I to me I think that was the biggest reason he left Cleveland was to win a championship to get the media off his damn back <laughs> uh because after 09 in particular the the media started really asking some questions like wait a minute lebron what's up how come you can't get to the finals you know we we hyping up this shot we hyping up this kobe Brown matchup in the finals and what's up you not doing your part basically and the media was i mean he was having to answer questions about what if you don't win a championship you know is this championship? But and it just kept asking him questions about winning the championship and how important is a championship to him and all this shit. Uh, and it put extra extra pressure on him uh, to to have to get there. I mean, he had already been used to dealing with the hype. You know, shit. We all know, man. LeBron James was the most hyped player coming coming into the league that I can remember. What? And to his credit. LeBron has exceeded all of that shit. He has exceeded all the hype. But this here, the media's expectation, and, you know, obviously LeBron, knowing, knowing the history of the game, you know for you to get to a certain point in, in the all-time rankings, you have to win championships. You know, ain't no coulda, woulda, shoulda, man. It's You got to get shit done at a certain point, and... It just it wasn't happening for a number of reasons. Um, it just wasn't happening for Brian and Cleveland, and you know that media pressure and had really ratcheted up to to the max in tw- in 2010. Because after after that after the way the Cavs failed against Boston in the 2010 playoffs, um, he had a lot of questions to answer, man, regarding his competitiveness. Did he quit? Um, you know, what's next for you in Cleveland? What do you think you need around you? How come you can't win a championship? And, you know, Brown just said, man, fuck that shit, man. Look, I got to win this champ by any means necessary. And in that sense, LeBron said, fuck my legacy. Fuck it all. I just want to win a championship. I need to win this championship. I need to compete. I need to taste how it wins to win the championship. Um, so he took his talents to South Beach. Now I didn't. Did I agree with the decision? Hell no. Nah. I know. It was for, I know. I raised 
great money for charity or whatnot. But to me, as as, as a traditional fan, that's not the way you do things, man. You you don't do you don't divorce your city on the, your franchise, a franchise that's you know that's packed into that damn arena, you know. It's, every season for seven years and you know you don't you don't do those fans like that you don't just like oh i'm gonna take my time no you don't up and do those fans like that on tv like that's like divorcing your wife on tv in front of the whole world (laughs) and she don't know anything she completely blindsided about it being blindsided about it because she don't know she didn't realize that that y'all marriage was in this much trouble that's kind of what it was in a way you know, he divorced Cleveland on live TV, and the fans got emotional, man. Cleveland fans are emotional, man. And, you know, I don't know of many fan bases that wouldn't have been emotional over that. You know, does it get them an excuse to burn jerseys or nothing like that? Now, that's going too far. You know, we, we got we got some people out there that, that, take, that do the fucking most. That's going too far. But I can understand, like, how hurt and how pissed off the fans were and just – you know, and it just weren't Cleveland fans. Like, fans of basketball was just pissed off in general that these motherfuckers just said, <coughs> in, in their opinions, they just said, oh, fuck, you know, fuck the grind of going through, you know, the franchise player, you know, the, all the responsibility, all the failure, all the success that comes with it. Uh, just fuck that. So y'all going to take shortcuts in. Y'all just going to say, forget it. Y'all going to team up and just shortcut Y'all wait to a championship, and that's how people looked at it. And the way I look at it is there's no shortcut to a championship. I mean, yeah, does it make it easier playing with great talent? Yeah, but in the Miami Heat case, I don't think there were no shortcuts. They they had to fucking grind because, number one, it's not exactly like Brian and Wade were a perfect fit together on the court. No, they weren't. They have very similar games. They play basically in the same similar areas of the court. So it took them a while. It took them years to figure that dynamic out. And then on on the on the court also, that he could never improve their roster to the point where they were a dominant type of super team. You know, they won they dominated a weak conference. I mean the East was 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 trash back then, but you know, in a better conference, would would the Heat still have been able to dominate dominate that with with their roster, especially the 2011 roster? We had old Mike Bibby, Joel Anthony. I mean, come on, man. Uh, our roster in 2011 was was shit for the most part. Outside of, outside of those big three, now it wasn't until like 2010, 2012, and especially 2013 where they got like a good roster. Like good role, like really good role players around him, like Chalmers, Shane Battier was was um, was amazing for us, man. Um, you know, Udonis Haslam chipping in a few minutes here and there. You know, certain matchups. Um, you know, Mario Chalmers, um, especially in the Spurs in Game Six versus the Spurs, man, that motherfucker was huge, uh, just knocking down shots. So. Um, and then also too another addition that they made in thirteen that was a that really helped them win the championship was Birdman getting Birdman getting a bit another big body although a slim body but still a body to be able to kind of bang when when against certain teams was was huge 
Um, but on paper, they weren't a super team. On paper, they were a super team. But actually, on the court, no, they weren't. I never. They didn't strike me as no super team because after 2011, Dwayne Wade's health started to significantly. His his health started to decline. Like you know, he started. He was more banged up more often uh he really is having knee issues and and it really took away from his his ability to be able to kind of give you that top five that d-way production every game he couldn't necessarily do that you know he couldn't do that and it was a lot of times in the playoffs as from 2011 on where way was banged up and that effect and that affected us you know we were we were constantly we were undersized um you know, Bosch was amazing defensively, but as amazing defensively as he was, you know, we were still getting creamed on the boards and all that shit. So, you know, we weren't a dominant team by any stretch. I mean, the fucking Pacers with Paul George, young Paul George, this would be before Paul George was even a damn star. Um, you know, the Indiana Pacers, fucking David West, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, they almost beat the Heat. <laughs> they almost beat us. And that team, no, no, they were a good team, but they weren't no great team or no historic team by any stretch of imagination. They were a fucking bootleg New York Knicks team. And yet they were able to push us to seven, and they were able to push us to, like, the brink several times in uh, the following years to come you know, when we matched up with them. And, you know, we weren't, no, we weren't a super team. You know, super teams don't lose to the maths the way we did. You know, uh, on paper, we weren't a super team. You know, Bosch, uh, we were definitely, I never considered us a super team at all, man. Um, you know, due to health, um, like I said, way, to, way health decline and the roster just, you know, outside of the big three, the roster was, was okay, but you know they weren't like a dominant team by any stretch. They were the he were a very beatable team uh, with the right pieces. So uh, 2011, we get together um, and they're still trying to figure it out. Bron Bron Wade in particular, we already figured out that Chris Bosh was going to have to sacrifice the most to make shit happen, which he did. Uh, Bosch went from a 24 and 10 dude to like basically a 15 and to basically putting 15 points and 15 points a game, something like that. He was basically a spot up shooter. Um, after 2011 in particular, we stopped running half court offense sets for him. You know, at least in 2011, we would give Chris Bosch the ball, you know, on the elbows, you know, sometimes. But, you know, by 2012, 20, particularly 2013, 14, you know, Bosch was a, basically a spot-up shooter, man. That was his role, the spot-up shoot, spread the court. Um, he added a three-pointer later, um, spread the court, you know, help it recover on the pick and roll, you know. But that was basically, that was basically his role at the 2011, you know, just basically spread the court and just give us everything that you got defensively, man. Helping recovering on the pick and rolls. You know, it's gonna be times where you go out to bang up against dudes like twice your twice your weight. We gonna need you to do it. And Chris and Chris Bosch did it to his credit. He did it, man, and he did it. And he didn't bitch at all. 
he he relished the role, man, because at the end of the day, he was competing for championships, which is what he really wanted. Um, you know, Dwayne Wade after 2011, and you know he he took a step back and gave Braun the keys to the car. And this is your team. Do what you got to do. I'm here to support you. Type shit. And from there, once once we once we kind of once once the roles fell into place, you know, once they decide that Braun, this is go we go go through you. You know, Wade, you go be the number two. Bosh, you go be us be everything that else. Uh, once they figured that out, that's kind of when they really took off. Because they were struggling. They struggled out the gate in 2011. They started off 9-8. and eight, Then got it together, uh, you know, enough to make, make it to the finals. And obviously, I'm not going to get into that because it's been done before the 2011 finals. So, you know, uh, my perspective as a Heat fan was it was a great disappointment. It was a lost opportunity. Um, but going ahead to 2012, you know, they had a much better sense of who they are, what they need to do. And, um, you know, they beat the beat the C's, beat the aging, but still good C's team. Um, and beat a really good OKC, a young OKC in the finals. And, you know, got that got that first chip, man. Got that got that monkey off off his shoulder. Bron did, and and thirteen was the best season for the Heat. Um, you know, obviously sixty six games. You know about the twenty seven game win streak. A great series against the Spurs. Um, just really test tested really tested how together that the Heat were uh, to to be able to overcome like as much adversity as they were facing in that series. Um, so, man, to be able to go back to back and be able to see that as a fan was was amazing, and you know, um, it was just a, it was a great time, man. It was a great time, such a great time, uh, such an exciting time, man. Um, obviously, you know, 2014, we we got smacked by the Spurs. Uh, that 14 team, they that that team was about ready. They were about ready to. They were they were pretty much done with each other by this point. You know, the chemistry wasn't the same on the court. Um, you know, the roster, we, guys were exhausted. I think that Heat team was just exhausted from making those finals runs and exhausted mentally from, you know, having constantly taken everybody's best punch. And as a result, we got to the Spurs. Like I said, we got to the to the finals and the and the, the Spurs, man. The Spurs whooped our ass like Tyson in the '80s, man. They 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 kicked our ass. That series was not close. That's probably one of the more lopsided series you will ever see. Uh, one close game, and it took LeBron like having an amazing game offensively, making jump shots for us to win that game. Uh, so. They were the better team in 2014, and, and by this point, the team was definitely declining. Um, you know, way, way by this point, you know, his knees were his knees were always going to be an issue, um, and just the overall roster for the overall roster needed a big change, uh, and there was no way that they were going to be able to make that change and still keep the big three. Uh, so it made sense for, for for somebody to move on, and that was LeBron, and 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 it made sense for LeBron to move on because 
if you're trying to compete for championships and you try to put yourself in the best position to, to compete for a championship, it was not the Miami Heat anymore. You know, he's looking at Dwayne Wade's knees, you know, falling apart. You know, he's looking at Bosch, but then he's also looking at the rest of the roster like, man, we, 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 we need youth. We need, they need a lot. By, by 2014, they were never going to be able to upgrade that and still keep everybody. So, uh, Brown took his talents back to Cleveland uh, to team up with Tyree and Kevin Love. Uh, and, you know, my feelings was I understood it. Basketball-wise, I understood it. You know, it, it made perfect sense. You know, you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed. Uh, and I also, you know, it was just, it was just, man. Like I said, it was a, it was an amazing time to be a fan of the of the team, man. And you know, if if I had a camera on me right now, I'm smiling ear to ear, just you know, reliving, you know, just reliving this, man, as a fan, because you know, not not many fans get the chance, get an opportunity for that team to to win a championship. You know, it's a lot of fans of franchises like that. The, you know the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know the. You know we got a lot of Charlotte Hornet fans, and you know that never get the experience of championship or haven't experienced a championship yet. And, uh, it's an amazing feeling as a fan, man, when your team cross that hop. So I was just kind of sitting here in a loss for words, man. Just, just because I got lost up in the memory of it, of it, man. And I just kind of went back to that moment uh, at thirteen where we. Well, where the buzzer ends, we get we we already know what the final score is. The confetti's coming down. Uh, you seeing the players hop around, the crowd's going crazy, and it was just an amazing, amazing feeling, man. Just to be able to watch your team, you know, especially in the especially in a great series where where your team beat, where you know the other team is great as well, and and your team was able to overcome it. And rise up and and really, and get shit done. Oh man, it's 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 an amazing feeling, man. So, um, overall for me, um, the Heatles were a success. Uh, you know, once Brown left, you know we had KB. Uh, excuse me, we had CB, Chris Bosh, and Wade. Uh, we, you know, Wade had a great. Great playoff in 2016. Just to remind motherfuckers that, hey, I'm I'm still top five when I'm right. <laughs> um, it's such an amazing feeling such, to watch your team win, and you know the Heels are gonna always have a special place in history. You know, not just with me, but just in basketball as well. It's because of what what they did and and the era that they ushered in. Um, so I look back on it with fond memories, man, and um, and this is coming from a Heat fan. So you guys, I'm gonna just step off right now, man. Um, you guys have a great weekend. Peace out. Be safe.